0: support for the game podcast is brought to you by starcitygames.com the world's largest independent retailer for magic the gathering singles and supplies and home for the best strategy content on the web if you would like to support the game podcast feel free to check out our patreon page at patreon.com slash the g a m podcast Welcome to episode 92 of The Game Podcast. I'm Jerry Thompson. Here with me is Brian, the Bishop of Rebirth, Gottlieb. It's time,
1: man. Do you feel it? Do you feel the rebirth in the air? We're about to move on from Kaladesh block. Feels like we have been here just for so, so, so long. And finally, we're on the precipice of a new set. I can't tell you how freaking excited I am right now. I honestly feel like I'm reborn.
0: Okay, well, I'm... Basically right there with you. I had the same feeling when Gideon, ally of Zendikar, was extended to stay in Standard for another six months. Mm -hmm. And this is much worse.
1: Yes, much, much worse.
0: So I also feel good. However, I do think it is very strange. They had a panel at PAX West last weekend. I was there. If... Y'all missed the coverage. Uh, don't worry, there wasn't any. Uh, I was, <laughs> it was just
1: you. You were the coverage.
0: It was just me. I was live tweeting the entire thing. I didn't even know that I was going to do that. But then just as the events kept happening, I don't know. I was just like, yeah, I guess, I guess I'm just all in. Like, let's try and get all the information out there because this is pretty dumb that there is no coverage. And then they just take a week off of previews.
1: I have no defense for that. I'm pretty much impervious to having my buzz killed right now because I'm so... Into the set and so into the transition, so I'm I'm willing to write that off. And I've been thinking a lot about the cards that have been spoiled. I find them mostly interesting. I'm excited to see what's still out there. So I'm not going to let you totally kill my buzz right now. But Word. you have a valid point. I mean, I am
0: I am also very excited. However, I have been building decks, and uh, I was working on an article that I'm submitting tonight for Star City and everything. And I've, I've built a bunch of different decks and I, it just makes me want more. Yeah. And normally during preview season, you get like the first 10 cards and then it's like, okay, cool. These are the things that are possibly going to define the format. And then every couple of days, like you get a few more cards that are very interesting and worth building around and add to the previous decks that you have built and everything. And then it just stopped. Yeah. I, I
1: also think too, these, these cards we've seen so far, while a lot of them are interesting and like you i've been building decks around them it doesn't feel like these are the most push cards we're going to see though i mean as far as like rates and and what's going on i don't see anything here where i'm like oh this card's about to define standard for the next two years you know what i mean these are all cards that are fine and interesting but nothing really spiking the power level as it stands right now which is a little different for preview season usually we start at the oh my god look at this card this feels a little bit more subdued. Interesting cards, but subdued on power level.
0: Yeah, I agree with that. I do think there are some cards that are pretty exciting. Maybe just for me, I don't know. But it it is again a product of their preview week not officially starting until next week. Right. Which I just I don't know why it things happen that way. And I'm gonna stop complaining. You know, it, it just it makes the experience so weird for me. To be so excited and then be like, oh, hold on, wait a week. We're taking a week off, and then things will continue as normal on Monday,
1: you know? Right. I I can't disagree with you there. You know, one other thing I want to point out about this transition and and maybe why it's so exciting. At the time of the last transition, the best stuff going on was teamer energy, and it wasn't going anywhere. Like Gideon was a A clear second place to the teamer builds that were taking over, and it felt like we had a bunch of decks that were just surviving rotation completely untouched, and they were going to be absolutely fine with the exception of bands because that's what was on our mind at the time of the last rotation. Were there going to be bands? Were things going to be shook up? So it's different now. Virtually every single deck is losing a major, major piece of the puzzle. So it does feel like we're working with much more of a clean slate in this instance than at last rotation.
0: I think most people have gotten into the habit of even during rotation, not just when a new set comes out, but like during rotation, they're used to having a lot of the decks stay the same and still be key players. And this is one of the few times in recent memory where it's like, oh yeah, everything is just changing completely. And I never really liked the idea of, hey, can you port this Standard deck into modern, or this modern deck into standard, or whatever. Or, you know, say teamer energy is now rotating. It's like, well, you know, you still get to play like Rekindling Phoenix instead of Chandra, and maybe there'll be a five mana dragon that you play instead of Glory Bringer. And it's like, no, every deck is just a product of their surroundings and the format and context. So, I really don't like going into preview season just evaluating things in that way because everything is going to be different, especially now the decks that you saw last season with, I guess, the exception of blue-white control, which is mostly untouched, just to fairy strategies in general, are not losing a lot and will likely still be good because they were very good. But for the most part, everything else is changing and you have to look at this format in context as a whole. And yes, you can learn from things that have happened in the past, but trying to port decks and do things of that nature doesn't really work.
1: Right, you do need to start from square one. Absolutely, I agree with you. That's the only way to actually glean useful information from this time of year.
0: So I do like it in that we are losing a lot of stuff and I have high expectations for a Ravnica set as far as filling in the gaps, uh, not necessarily for specific card choices in decks, but just as a way to have more different playable cards in a format, right? Like I expect this set to be packed.
1: Same, same. I I mean, multicolor sets often do a good job of that. And also, I think the mechanics here are are interesting as well and and good constructed mechanics for the most part.
0: Uh, I mostly agree. I think the graveyard stuff is super exciting to me. But as far as things like Convoke, we haven't really seen that hit a lot in Constructed. And I do think that there are some exceptions here, but like things like Mentor, right? It's like that mostly seems like a limited mechanic.
1: That would be my one exception. I, I think Surveil is a fantastic constructed mechanic. Any type of scry consistency type introducer I'm really into. Jumpstart is interesting. I really want to see where it's going. The cards we've seen thus far, not over the moon about, but like you said, there's a lot of space in this spoiler season and we're getting this weird delayed release. So I, I'm not making any judgments about the quality of cards we're going to see under that mechanic as it stands right now.
0: Yeah, same. I'm I'm optimistic.
1: Right there with you.
0: Despite a lot of my earlier complaining, I am very optimistic. And the reason why I complain is because I, I just want to see the set, you know?
1: I know. I know. That's, that's what our complaints are always based on. Is just like this desire to talk more about magic and do more magic and play more interesting games of magic. Any complaining we do is just rooted in this is the best game ever and we want it to be as good as possible. So there's our usual disclaimer as far as complaints go.
0: Right, and the perspective of things is we are complaining because we don't have a new Ravnica card every day. You yeah. know, like, come on.
1: Life could be worse.
0: Right, in In five days, I'll be happy, so yeah. who cares? All right, we are on mythicspoiler.com. We are just going to start from the top left, or I guess we should talk about the mana first, but then past that we'll start from the top left and then go down. Currently, there are 20 cards that have, or 40 cards that have been previewed and maybe that'll change by the time this goes up, hopefully. Yeah. What do you think about the mana? Well,
1: I mean, I I think, happy to see the shock lands again. They're fine and interesting dual lands. I think the constraints we have with mana right now are clear. I'm not telling you anything you don't know when I say there are some decks which you are very much incentivized to build towards right now, and other decks which are going to have issues. There are some three-color pairings which are, extremely taxing to do and you have to play with very awkward mana bases you know the esper mana base for example weird and i don't know what the right way of building it is and it could be you just are not supposed to be playing that particular shard as it stands right now because the dual lines do not align properly i don't know we'll see if there's any kind of filler land any Aether hub replacement in the set that allows us to do these splashes more efficiently but as it stands right now until the release of the next set I think mana is being dictated to us very clearly and trying to stray from those rules. You're doing so at your own peril, and it probably is not going to be successful early on in the format unless there's a piece we're missing right now.
0: Right. I I think past the Shocklands and the Checklands, there's as many Guild Gates, and I don't know the... Stone quarries of the universe, meandering rivers. Yeah, you can play as many of those as you want. It's not ideal. I think blue white control, for the most part, is not really going to care. Uh, you brought up Esper, which I think is a good example where you have water grave, you're lacking the other two, and maybe you can try and fill the gaps with uh, a bunch of check lands and evolving wilds, maybe field of ruin. Although I'm not sure if you'd actually count field of ruin as a card that helps or hurts your mana base, but. Yeah, I've been looking at a lot of the the three-color mana bases, and it's kind of interesting where Naya has Temple Garden Sacred Foundry, which obviously lends itself to being base white. right? right? Like You can't necessarily build a Naya deck that is going to cast Goblin Chain Whirler or Steel Leaf Champion, but if you're trying to play History of Benalia with two splashes, you can potentially do something like
1: that. Right, and we're being led down these very clear paths. It, it's kind of strange to have our options dictated to us by the mana. I mean, in some sense they always are, but it's not it doesn't feel so lopsided in most cases. Usually there's a good balance to what you're able to do with mana. And it feels like the balance is a little bit more dictated this time around, which is fine. That's an interesting problem in and of itself. And, you know, there'll be value to finding how to successfully splash and, you know, adhering to the rules and knowing when to break them. It's it's an interesting new puzzle to look at.
0: Yeah. And I I think it's gonna be mostly pretty interesting because you are going to see things like blue white control and even some sort of red green deck I'm sure is going to pop up at some point. And you're going to be like, Oh, you know, like I didn't really think about doing it that way, like fixing the mana in that way. Mm-hmm. Green kind of has a sort of leg up on this with things like thunder herd migration, but past that, unless you want to play new horizons or, or things like that, you know, you're, you're kind of stretching it, but overall I, I think that you can do those weirdo two color decks you're just going to have to work really hard for it and it may or may not be worth it.
1: Yeah, I'm right there with you.
0: And if you get to find something like Jeskai where you want a bunch of early red mana like you you get to build around that and I think that those sort of constraints are pretty cool actually.
1: Yeah, you if you're cognizant, there's things you can do. Like you said, you know, when you're Naya deck, you have to realize it's a base white deck and if you build in that fashion, you might gain dividends early on in the format where everyone else doesn't quite understand that yet.
0: Yeah. They're just like, Oh, we can't do Naya. And it's like, ha ha. I figured it out. I cracked the code. Right. But it's again, kind of messed up because I want to take a shot at cracking the code, but I don't have enough cards. So beats.
1: Yeah. Soon, soon,
0: soon, my friends. Yes. All right. From, from the top Legion war boss 2R, two R 22 goblin soldier has mentor which is the Boros mechanic. Whenever this creature attacks, put a plus one, plus one counter on target attacking creature with lesser power. And Legion War Boss also has, at the beginning of combat on your turn, create a 1-1 one, one red goblin creature token. That token gains haste until end of turn and attacks this combat, if able. So a lot of the the words on this card are reminiscent of Goblin Rabble Master. Yep. And I think this is just another one of those examples where people immediately want to make that same comparison Mm -hmm. and they're not the same card.
1: Thank you. Okay. That's where I thought you were going to come out. Not anywhere near as good as Goblin Rabble Master, in my opinion, a very different card, but the lazy comparison I've heard thus far, same card as Rabble Master, very, very different context here. I do think this card seems pretty good if you're able to get some tribal synergies going, but as just like a pure, absolute on-rate Smasher the way Goblin Rabblemaster was. Nowhere near the same card.
0: No. I I mean, you play this, you get a free token, you get some value, and you get to attack for one, and then next turn you're attacking for five, which is overall pretty good. And then if you have anything else, any sort of pump effect, uh, Boros has a decent amount of ways to do this. There's like Pride of the Conquerors, uh, the heroic whatever card from Corset, And uh, if you're full goblins, you can have things like Radiant Destiny or whatever, right? So Mm. like this, this thing is like an army in a can, which is nice. This is a thing that you do have to kill uh, almost immediately. And, you know, two toughness is not great in a world of shocks and lightning strikes and whatever, but like you get a little bit of the value right away, which I think is what you need out of a playable three mana card.
1: Yeah, I agree with you. The distinguishing point is that you'll never be able to favorably trade up with this card, whereas Goblin Rabblemaster often got favorable trades mana-wise going in its direction. And so, you know, you had already done some early damage. They play their four drop and you trade off. That doesn't feel too bad. This is not going to do the same trick. It will always be a 2-2 and readily blocked by anything larger. You know, if there's a 3-3 on the battlefield, this card looks much, much worse and that's very relevant, I think. And and that's what ultimately kind of disqualifies this card. But there's a lot of spots where it is hyper efficient. I don't want to say this is not a good card. I think it's absolutely seen play. I just want to halt the comparisons a little bit. That's all.
0: Yeah, I definitely agree with that. This is a card that is very strong at going wide. And there are ways to benefit from that. And even something like Volley Veteran is another good way to benefit from that. So I think it is a very good card, but yeah, it's not going to be forcing the block with Siege Rhinos like Goblin Rebel Master. Therefore, you have to look at it in different contexts.
1: Yeah. And we're starting to push into the realm of like, hmm, there's a lot of good goblins floating around. And when that happens, people love goblins. They love trying it out. It feels like we haven't seen the piece where I'm like, oh yeah, goblins tribal is definitely a thing. That's even with, you know, Warchief being around. I still don't feel that way, but we we might get there at some point.
0: It needs a good one or two drop. I've been looking at Goblin List. Like I said, I've been building a bunch of decks for this article, and I do think that Goblins is mostly there. It, Like you said, it's just, yeah, the one or two pieces away from being like, okay, this is actually a thing that I want to be doing. Mm-hmm. Whereas right now, it's like, oh man, like a lot of the power level is concentrated in like the three, four, five area. Clunky, which it is, feels clunky. Yeah, yeah, it's a little clunky, and that's kind of tough. Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm not really willing to go into wily goblin territory quite yet maybe it's warranted who knows
1: yeah time will tell
0: next up ral is it viceroy three you are planeswalker starting loyalty five plus one look at the top two cards of your library put one into your hand and the other into your graveyard minus three this deals damage to target creature equal to the number of instants and sorceries you own in exile and in your graveyard Man, this, that's so overdeveloped. That's <laughs> one of the most overdeveloped abilities I've ever read. And minus eight, you get an emblem when whenever you cast an instant or sorcery card, this emblem get deals four damage to any target and you draw two cards. So a lot of similar comparisons to to Teferi, like the Nixless shell that has been fairly prevalent with modern day Planeswalkers. This is pretty similar to the core set Planeswalkers also, where it has a very clear build around yes. and an emblem that is going to be very fun and basically impossible to lose.
1: Yeah. So I, I understand what you're saying about that ability being overdeveloped at the time. I still applaud the narrowing of the range of planeswalkers. I I like this style of planeswalker better than this is just the best possible card. Uh,
0: I do too. It's just like what, how many other cards count cards you have in exile?
1: Yeah, it's weird and probably a payoff coming. I mean, we have jumpstart, but even beyond right. that, I, I, I bet this gets leaned into a little bit harder at some point.
0: Maybe I think it is just trinket tax added on to make it a little stronger. And because of the mechanic that is in, is so it so it does make sense? It's just very strange.
1: Yeah, I will say that this kind of five mana planeswalker that gets you a card, kills something unbeatable ultimate. It's like a meme at this point, right? Like this is what the five mana planes Walker looks like. It wasn't that we downplayed Teferi. We both identified it as a very powerful card in the set. We just were like, yeah, this is clearly powerful, but kind of boring on its face. Very obviously powerful. Ral, not the same thing. I don't have the same feelings about Ral. I think it will fill a need in strictly blue red decks. It does something important for those decks, but as far as this competing with Teferi, it's just really no competition. Teferi is leagues and leagues better. And also, just to kind of lay out where I stand going into this new standard format, I do think there's probably three cards that are sticking around that are just leagues above everything else in the format. That would be Teferi, Search for Asconta, Goblin Chain Whirler. I think those are like the three very clear pillars that we have going into this new format, barring incredible prints in this set, which there very well may be. But with that baseline power line, it has me a little cold on Ral. Not to say it won't fill a niche. It's just not really there on the insane-o power level Teferi type scale.
0: Agreed. One thing I will note is that we have Nicol Bolas. We have two blue dual lands for Grixis colors and Ral strikes me as a type of stand-in for Teferi if you don't actually want to play with Teferi.
1: Yeah, the question is, how much is that white splash costing you? Is it viable to just get Teferi in there, you know, for only Teferi and nothing else, if that's the only white card in your deck, versus having to play something like Ral, which cost can you bear better? I don't know the answer to that as it stands right now. I need too much more information, but... Right,
0: but I'm, I'm saying if you want to build Grixis in general... for For the, other
1: purposes besides just having, like, the blue base and X planeswalker on top of it.
0: Yeah. I mean, it it just seems like that sort of strategy is getting leaned into a little bit. And I imagine that some combination of, is it Anthemir is going to have good removal and Mm -hmm. maybe a good card drawing spell. These things that when you look at how you would build a control deck with the cards that we have, you're like, Oh, this is a little bit short. I I would be willing to believe that those sorts of things are going to show up and that Grixis is going to be, fairly viable and if those things don't show up all right beats you know what, what are you gonna do
1: yep yep
0: next card is thought erasure it is ub sorcery target opponent reveals their hand you choose a non-land card from it that player discards that card surveil one surveil is look at the top card of your library you may put it into your graveyard
1: this card's good i think th- yeah? i think this card is quite good i, th- I think one of the problems with people's evaluation of surveil is that they're doing the goblin rabble master thing again they're saying oh scry except sometimes you can put it in your graveyard no this is so much better than scry dramatically dramatically better i was talking about this card with uh jonathan carter co-host of the head games podcast earlier today and just kind of talking through if we think it's viable. And we play transgress the mind pretty happily. And granted, there was the exile. Hold on, I, I, I'm getting there. There's the exile clause there. Very, very important. A very important clause. But exiling might not be as important as it stands right now in this format, just cataloging things as they go in. And, and this gets everything. It gets everything. And you know, Thoughtseize is broken at one mana, without a doubt. It's It's one of the most powerful magic cards of all time. So is there room for this card not to be broken and still be a very solid playable? Absolutely. I can absolutely buy that. And it combines so well. Again, calling back to the possibly the most powerful card we have in standard, search for Asconta. Fueling up those search activations is very, very meaningful.
0: Yes. Transforming search is almost trivial at this point. I agree. I disagree that we played transgress the mind happily. That was my, <laughs> I was never happy playing. Transgress. Okay.
1: But you did occasionally, correct?
0: I did, but okay. So in pro tour, almond cat, we, we tested a lot leading up to the event, got onto zombies a little bit late because a lot of it was like, there's no way this deck is good. Right. Mm-hmm. And then we just kept losing to it to the point where we're like, okay, maybe it's gotta be good. And then, We were testing against Marvel, and what everyone was doing was playing four transgresses, so we started with four, eventually went down to two. By the time I was in the finals of the PT, I didn't even bring them in against Yuya. Mm. It's just a bad card. It's so much mana to have an effect that doesn't interact with the board at all, and that's not to say the Thought Erasure is going to be bad or anything. I don't think it's going to be bad. I, I just don't know that this is going to be a automatic four of main deck card in any black blue deck, you know?
1: I, I mostly agree. I think there's, there's context. I think you need to be getting paid off on stocking your graveyard. I, I think that's a huge incentive to push towards thought erasure. And you're, if I was, If I was building a Zombies deck right now, I would not necessarily have Thought Erasure. Maybe not in the 75. Who knows? I I think if you have a blue-black Zombies deck, you're looking for something like Negate as opposed to Thought Erasure. But that could also be wrong. Depending on if Settle is the default removal spell, you're usually pretty happy using Thought Erasure on your Settle turn. So who knows where things fall. But as far as just pure rate, I'm pretty comfortable with this card. I'm convinced it's at a good enough rate to see play.
0: I think I need a good reason to play this card. Where that's fair. If if we're talking about strictly sideboarding, we have things like duress in the gate, and this is sort of the best of both worlds. And I ended up playing Doomfall a decent amount of the time because it's fine against things like Rekindling Phoenix and Vine Mare, two things that are sticking around and we don't really have a good answer for, right? But yeah, it's it was just this this catch-all even though it felt really bad and was super mana inefficient whereas i don't think that thought erasure gives you enough of a catch-all to warrant the the extra mana attached on and obviously surveil is very good but you know drawing this on on turn eight is also very bad so who knows this might be the one card where i'm just like i'm pretty sure i won't play this card a lot and it's just going to be all over the place but say in something like black blue mid-range I don't think it would make the cut. And if if there was like a similar deck where you're like a black blue kind of like sorcery speed tap outy mid-range deck, if I if I didn't have any other two drops, then sure, I would be happy to to play this along with my search phrase cantas and my removal spells or whatever, but it's hard for me to even picture playing this instead of counter spells, you know.
1: It's interesting that you don't think this would make the cut in black blue mid-range, because I think it would. I, I mean, at least as a sideboard card, I think about how much. How often you play the game with a stocked hand, so like this doesn't have that problem where you get to turn eight and it's dead. You're usually pretty happy to find this on turn eight, and how often you're really looking for a specific card. How good it is to see Champion of Wits on the top of your deck and just be able to put it right into the graveyard. Obviously, this is kind of a silly discussion. This isn't ever going to right. Bother.
0: It 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 is, but yeah, I just I disagree with a lot of that notion where. I, I would rather have something like Doomfall or Essence Scatter, something that's like a little bit more versatile. So it, it's tough for me to see the application for this card. But again, like we need more context, we need more
1: cards. Exactly.
0: If there are more search-rescanta things, and you know, I'm trying to fill my graveyard for whatever reason, maybe I'm going ham on Narkomibas or whatever. Then okay, sure, maybe maybe this makes the cut as a, a role player more for its mechanic, but. We're talking about sideboarding this and I just won't side it sideboard it over anything like duress or negate you know okay so yeah who knows mysteries this this might be one of those cards that people get tricked into playing too
1: it could be I, I could see this going both ways for sure it, it has some of that mana inefficiency that always gives you pause
0: and it's not like getting UB on turn two is trivial either uh
1: yeah only a dual lands that, that's fair
0: and if you play any sort of field of ruins or anything mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. eh, yeah, it's not looking great. All right, next one is the Underrealm Lich, three BG, four three Mythic, Zombie Elf Shaman. So no matter what tribal deck you want, I guess this thing fits in there. And All the types. If you would draw a card, instead look at the top three cards of your library, then put one into your hand and the rest into your graveyard. So you get like a mini impulse instead of drawing cards and pay for life. This game's indestructible until end of turn. Tap it.
1: I I don't know. I don't know. I feel like this is the card where I'm really getting punished for not having context. On rate, uh, I'm not like over the moon. It feels like we expect more from our five drops. We expect that immediate impact, that game-changing ability. This lacks that to some extent. If you on tap with it, things get much better, obviously. And it has a clause, which makes that more and more possible. But this doesn't feel like... Scarab God levels of power. It doesn't seem like that just you play this and the game becomes all about this card and and you take it over. And there is some commonly played removal that can still deal with this. So, and I, I think there's a new removal spell coming that we're going to talk about, which also deals with this efficiently, where indestructible doesn't matter quite as much as you would guess at first blush. So, as it stands right now, I'm not super high on this card, but I do see that if you're really able to exploit that card drawing ability and get a lot of benefit from putting things in your graveyard, I might be dramatically underrating this, but I'm going to need to see more before I sign off on this. As it stands right now, I don't think the rate is quite there.
0: I feel like this is a commander card.
1: It could be. It could be. I mean, that's something to keep in mind when we're evaluating all this stuff now is that cards do specifically get designed for that slot. So maybe it's a trap.
0: For five mana, you get no ETB effect. You get a minuscule body. If your red opponent lightning strikes this, it is, it's awful. It's a disaster. And then, yeah, if you get to untap with it, you you get to do some stuff, but whatever, you know, you can, you can almost certainly do better for five mana. And there's also just like the Vraska's contempt issue.
1: What do you think about the tap it clause? It's
0: just regenerate.
1: I, I realize this is meant to be a functional replacement for regenerate, but it's still weird, right? Like. I don't know. Is this card out of control? If you take away that tap it clause, it, it just feels unflavorful and strange to me at this point, having been so far removed from regeneration.
0: I agree that it looks weird. I do think that if this card was made in 2005. It just regenerates. A, it would have two mana attacked onto it or whatever, but, <laughs> yeah, but also, also it would just regenerate. And yeah. that's, yeah, it does look weird for sure. But I think that's what they're going for. It's possible that you want it to do something like regenerate and not have it be exactly the same thing. But yeah, you know, take into consideration what I said, where it's like you play this against your red opponent and they lightning strike it. Now you just pay for life. You have this blocker too. That it makes the card much stronger.
1: It does, but still probably not not all that good, to be honest with you, at least in that matchup.
0: Yeah, I definitely agree. So I'm willing to pass on this for now, even if, Golgari ends up being this hyper graveyard centric like value deck. Uh, I think we could do better.
1: Yeah, I, w- I wouldn't be surprised if that's true.
0: Amara, Soul of the Accord, GW2-2, Legendary Elf Cleric. Whenever this becomes tapped, create a 1-1 White Soldier creature token with Lifelink. So either attack trigger or convoke. You get a
1: 1-1. This feels pretty good to me. I, I think it needs a very specific home. I'd note it's a, another two drop for Mox Amber shenanigans. Oh yeah, Legendary I looked, two drop.
0: I looked, so many good legendaries are rotating.
1: Hmm, okay, so that might be a little bit far off. We'll have to see what's what's coming down the pipe here. But I, I think that in the right context, this card could certainly get the job done. It seems like uh, building around this, it could be there on rate. Should we talk about the problem with making a bunch of one ones though? Or do we just want to pretend like that problem isn't a real one?
0: Well, if we want to talk about Chain Whirler, we have to point out that the mana is worse for it.
1: It is. It's it's much worse, dramatically worse.
0: So you have Sacred Foundry and Steam Vents as Red Duel Lands. And a lot of the support cards for Goblin Chain Whirler were rotating. To Mm -hmm. the point where most red decks look like they're going to be uh, maybe goblin-based, maybe token-based, like Boros tokens, or maybe just mono-red aggro because you still have shock lightning, strike wizard's lightning, right? Right. So in those instances, I would be more worried about dealing with early aggression rather than worrying about my board getting blown up by a chain roller. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. I feel like you're just going to have chain whirler cast against you way less unless the, the format just kind of comes full circle and there are a lot of X ones running around.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's hard to say it at this stage. I think it's much more useful to talk about what the card is capable of in the context of like, Oh, maybe chain whirler won't be that big of a deal. And if then it, It is a big deal. You can go, okay, this strategy isn't primed for play right now, but you know it exists. You know what it's capable of, and you're just at a point where you have more knowledge. I mean, if there was some time constraint we were dealing with right now, then maybe I would say, okay, I'm not going to focus on Amara until I know where the format shakes out, but that seems silly. We're still very uh, early on in spoiler season. I'd rather talk about applications for the card than downplay its ability to compete in a chain whirler world.
0: I will say that I've looked at some of these green-white decks, and it looks relatively strong. I mean, you have things like Land War Elves, Legions Landing, depending on whether you want to be white base or green base. You have mm-hmm. Amara, Shalai, History of Benalia, or Shauna instead of uh, Shalai. But like Shalai also plays like a pretty big part too. And then there's a yeah, bunch. I think of- Shalai's great. Yeah, yeah. I was I was just trying to go in casting cost order and blew it. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> and then you have Planeswalkers in the four drop slot and some good removal spells. So green, white looks solid to me.
1: Yeah, I agree. If, if you remember the start of this format was uh, green, white winning a PTQ. Maybe that was the start of Dominaria standard, but yeah, it was. Th- green, white has found some very limited success early on in formats. I think a lot of the key pieces remain. It's a difficult style for me to weigh in on because it's very much opposite of where I usually find myself, but The early in the format green-white decks were at least interesting. I think Shalai is an incredibly powerful card. This card seems to mostly play well with it. And there's at least one very good Convoke card coming down the pipeline. Correct. Which we will get to. So
0: So I'm I'm pretty happy about Amara.
1: Yeah, I'm with you. I I would like to build around it. I think it has potential.
0: Next card is Boros Challenger. R-dub 2-3, Creature Human Soldier, Mentor, and to our dub this gets plus one plus one until end of turn so you can potentially spend a bunch of mana pump this thing and mentor onto anything
1: it seems like this is designed to be the good limited uncommon but i don't know with the right synergies i could see it getting there and seeing some standard play it's it's not that far off on power level and mana sinks are always good when you're just playing a bunch of dorks and attacking so uh i I, again need more context need to know white red decks look like but it seems plausible that this could see some limited standard play
0: i think so too it's very close to being there i think the four mana to plus one plus one it is kind of a dead giveaway that this is not really meant to be constructed but Mm -hmm. we we need some some two drops right now it, it just looks like the format is pretty weak uh you have adanto vanguard the red two drops are like viacino pyromancer dire fleet daredevil lightning Mare, and goblin instigator you know so there's there's not a lot in the two drops right now so maybe this is all we get yeah could be i hope not but we'll see
1: yeah it's it's on the low side of power level for sure
0: next card is quasi duplicate one you use sorcery create a token that's a copy of target creature you control and this has jump start which is You may cast this from your graveyard by discarding a card in addition to paying its other costs then exile it.
1: So this is the first jumpstart card of a higher rarity that we've seen. These effects tend to be underwhelming in most constructed applications. I do like the kind of secondary value of putting this card into the graveyard via surveil and search for azkanta and then getting paid on it later you could see you know finding some successful plays if there was like this is kind of silly again but like something like mole in the format you could envision a deck that really enjoyed having a copy of quasi duplicate in its graveyard for the late game that seems fine to me i wouldn't shock me to see this creep into some lists as a one of but I don't see anything that you really want to build around quasi-duplicate right now. It just has some some neat applications if your deck is able to really take advantage of them. And I don't know. It, it's like half exciting, I guess. I I, I like the name of it. <laughs> That's cool. Yeah. It, it piqued my interest.
0: It depends on what creatures exist and what ETBs there are. I think Search for Ascanta, Away This Card, into Torrential Gearhulk. Like maybe that would have been a thing that people would play one of for that reason. Yeah, but you can could could also, also do the same thing with Vizier mini many faces, even though it's a little bit more mana intensive, but this has the potential for six mana to create like a really quick burst of board presence. And right. we had cloud blazer, you know, it's not that crazy to think that a mold drifter type of thing would exist.
1: Yeah, I can buy that. And, you know, I did some stuff. I I had one of these in my Stitcher Supplier deck that I was building. And the problem was I didn't have any real payoffs, but it it does do a nice job of like keeping your graveyard going in that instance where you've played a Stitcher Supplier and you can duplicate another. And I I don't know if there's anything there as it stands right now, Um, but just a neat little interaction to keep track of.
0: Ravenous Chupacabra.
1: Yeah, that's a that's a fine creature to copy in most instances. I mean, it, it depends again, like we we've seen very little chupacabra lately, and there's a reason for that. It hasn't had a bunch of really good targets, but it, it may in this new format.
0: Yeah. And uh, what about copying my chain whirler? Is that cool?
1: Uh,
0: no,
1: <laughs> no right. not cool at all. All right. Min- minimal coolness.
0: Sinister sabotage. One UU instant counter target spell. Surveil one. Busted.
1: Love it. I, I think it's so good. I, m- I mean, this effect, again, I, I don't want to beat a dead horse. Search for Escanta is the main impetus for this card being exceptional. You will flip your searches much more reliably with this card floating around. You know, we've had counter target spell Scry one. It was very good. Surveil is way, way, way better. Way better. Dramatically so. Again, talking about things like quasi duplicate, all these other jumpstart cards, which will surely be spoiled as time goes on. I'm into this card. This is going to see a lot of play.
0: Yeah, absolutely agree. wonder how much testing Search for Ascanta got.
1: I would assume a lot. I mean, it's a pretty obviously powerful card.
0: Yeah, I don't know. We'll see. It just <laughs> seems so trivial to transform. Like first we had cycling, right? And then it's like, okay, cycling's leaving. Well, let's let's print a bunch of other things and put things into graveyards.
1: Yeah, I'm going to talk about that a little bit more as we, we move through this set. But you're exactly right. It's very, very easy to flip at this point.
0: Work. Next card is Macabre Hatchery, 3 BB Sorcery. Choose a creature card in your graveyard with CMC 1, then choose a creature with CMC 2 and a creature with CMC 3. Return those creatures to the battlefield.
1: I don't know what to do with this yet. Uh, It's really not clear to me, but I think this card is like fine on power level. If there's some way to start doing some recursive stuff, it could get real interesting. Uh, This doesn't exile right after you cast it. No. yeah so like if there's some way to buy this back i mean i'm thinking eternal witness eternal witness is probably never coming back to standard but you know that type of effect comes to mind some way to get a little bit extra value out of this yeah because like just average one two and three drop probably not going to be worth all the setup and the fact that you have to have all three to really get fully paid but if there's some way to twist that a little bit in your favor i could see this card getting some play
0: yeah, and, and you're paying five mana for six mana worth of cards. Except you have to work to get that six mana worth of cards. I imagine if people build decks around this, a lot of the time they're going to get a one and a three or a, a one and a two. You know, like right. you're, you're that's not, the problem. You're not necessarily going to get every part of it every time. So doesn't strike me as like an insano build around or anything. It is cool, and again, it depends on what you can bring back with this card.
1: Mm-hmm. Waiting for more context.
0: Yep. So more context. I'm happy to build around this, though. Like, I like those kinds of decks. Me too. Next card is the Buy a Box promo Impervious Great Worm, 7GGG, 1616, Convoke Indestructible.
1: Let's <laughs> just sound like really silly stats, don't they? 1616. <laughs> 16. I don't know. That strikes me as funny for some reason.
0: I don't know. I, I, I like the square stats.
1: Okay. Uh, this card is probably what biobox promos should be. I think it can spark some interest. It may even see just the tiniest tiniest touch of play. I could I can buy that, but it's not fundamentally altering the rules of magic and doing something that's never been done before and creating games where your opponent doesn't get to take any more turns. So, yep. kudos on getting a lot closer to what a, buy a box promo should be.
0: I agree. I'm happy that all well, this doesn't make me want to buy a box any more than it did before, but I'm sure that there are a lot of people out there who this card moves the needle for, I think so, yeah, barging sergeant four r four two minotaur soldier with haste and mentor
1: just a limited card i don't I don't think there's anything to see here,
0: yeah, and I'm just gonna go right below it instead of going left to right for hammer dropper two r dub five two mentor
1: same problem weird that how close those cards are yep but
0: and i i think this is just indicative of what boros is going to be about you know yeah H- high power things oh that's cute because it works with mentor and yep whatever fireminds research you are enchantment whenever you cast an instant or sorcery spell put a charge counter on this one U remove two charge counters from this draw a card one R remove five charge counters from this it deals five to any target
1: People are way too excited about this card.
0: Ooh, I like, like this w- card. I don't think it's good, but I like this card.
1: Okay, you're allowed to like this card. I, I don't begrudge you for that. It's interesting. It's a cool, fun design. I don't think this is uh, at a playable rate, though. I, I will be very surprised if Fire of Minds Research becomes a thing in Standard.
0: Compare to any Planeswalker. Search for his Kanta. Basically anything.
1: Anything. <laughs> yeah, That's the problem. <laughs> Even
0: Compare this to Primal Amulet, right?
1: Just, just not buying it. I do agree. It's, a, it's a fun design though, and you know, fifteen, twenty years ago, this card would have blown my mind. I would have been all about this card, jamming it into every deck possible because these are exactly the type of interactions I love to build around. But I recognize you need a little bit more these days.
0: Uh, I will note that cheap enchantments in blue and red could potentially be good in control mirrors in the same way that DynaVolt Tower type of stuff was. Yeah, where. This is this is hard to remove.
1: It is. It is. I, I can I can buy that, and it, it could have some niche applications out of a sideboard. Sure, I I can get on board with that, but it still just requires so so much. You, I mean, if this is like what you're relying on to win the game, you have to cast twenty spells throughout the game to be able to win. That's just a ton, and I I don't know if that's realistic. Uh, you know, maybe with jumpstart shenanigans and. If there's enough cantrips, I'm I'm downplaying how often you can do that in control mirrors, but we shall see.
0: What if you have two of them? Then then you only need to cast ten spells.
1: Okay, that's nice. <laughs> I still I'm still not hundred percent convinced, but it, it's getting easier, so that's good.
0: Yeah, it's it's not great, but I, I do think it could show up potentially at some point. It's just not a card that is super insane or anything.
1: We'll have to keep an eye on it.
0: Narkameba. Uh, you should know what this does, but one you one one creature illusion flying. When this is put into your graveyard from your library, you may put it onto the battlefield. So this works with uh, surveil any sort of self mill thing. What else Search am I for Escanta. Search for Ascanta, which, basi- which is basically surveilling. Yeah.
1: So when I, when I saw Narcomiba being back, my reaction was befuddlement. I think that this is an important card and I'm not saying like this goes on to define the format, but I think it's an important card to be aware of and to see what it can do. And the first place I actually went was just a control deck, which sounds weird. Like, what do I want Narcomoeba? And I was using Stitcher Supplier in my deck to, you know, what's that doing in a control deck? But if you hearken back to like Callblade days and having a 1-1 flyer just to protect your Planeswalker that you're just generating, doing what you would do anyway, going about your business, having Search for Escanta flip on turn three reliably because you're playing Stitcher's supplier, just always having the flip on turn three is crazy. Ramping to your four mana Planeswalker. In my case, I used Karn just because there's not a better option. And I kind of bemoan that. I said for the deck to actually have legs, it would need more. But there's something really interesting here. And just leaning hard on little bits of value from Narkomiba, always having free Narkomibas, it's more impactful than people realize right now, I think. Is there certain context under which it's meaningless? Yes. Is it a bad draw? Yes. It's all about whether you can build a deck to mitigate those things. So I'm having a lot of fun building around Narkomiba right now. I can see it being a miss because it does depend a lot on context, but there's some neat tricks you can do with it. And it definitely merits exploration because it's just like a historically broken card. Unquestionably one of the best blue creatures of all time. And there's a lot going on there. There's dredge most times enabling Narkomiba, but I still think this is an important card.
0: I think Narcomoeba is great and it's going to see play.
1: Yeah. Oh. I, it, it would surprise me if it didn't see play more than if it did see play. That being said, I recognize the limitations with it and you kind of have to just do weird new things and, and try and make it work. There's also still combo context. I mean, there is I don't remember what the card is actually called. The the Living Famine card, where your opponent loses half their life. There's there's a lot of ways to get value for having a bunch of little creatures in play.
0: Yep. Next card is Necrotic Wound. B, Instant Undergrowth. Uh, this is the Golgari mechanic. Target creature gets minus X, minus X until end of turn, where X is the number of creature cards in your graveyard. If that creature would die this turn, exile it instead. So this card leads me to believe... That undergrowth is going to be a constructed mechanic.
1: What about this it leads you to believe that? Expand a little
0: bit. It's just, it's so good. It's so cheap. It all it even has the rider. Like there's just so much text on it. It just feels like this card is super pushed.
1: See, I think this card is underwhelming. That's really interesting. So, my concern is I hate conditional removal spells. I hate them. Like removal spells that in some context do not work are a huge problem for me. And are there decks where this is very reliably going to do incredibly busted stuff? Yes. But are there contexts where even in those decks, this card fails you? Again, yes. And you know you compare it to something like Fatal Push. Tough comparison. One of the best removal spells of all time, seen play all the way back in Legacy. I get it. Really hard barrier to overcome. But you could see where this card just doesn't line up in some gameplay situations. And that's a problem for me. I expect my removal to do the job. And I'm not sure this is going to be the best option in anything but these the smallest number of decks that can really reliably get it up to an appropriate size. Tell me why I'm wrong.
0: I would imagine that if you're playing Undergrowth on your cards, you are probably going to be pretty good at making that happen. So to me, it just strikes me as you know, like you're building with like Amoeba and Stitcher Supplier and stuff. And it's like, it doesn't take that much more to actually make Necrotic Wound playable. I mean, you can even just look at the Explore creatures, Explore is uh, like the other thing that I was missing with Narco. Right, right. Good point. So there's there's plenty of ways to actually fill your graveyard. It's just like you're you're just looking for a little bit of payoff. And Narcomoeba is like a little bit of value. Necrotic Wound is decent it is a reasonable upgrade i think to things like cast down it also has the exile clause which is good against rekindling phoenix and maybe that's necessary maybe it's not you know but yeah i don't know just it seems like if i were doing graveyard creature things i would want this card
1: it could be i'm a little too low on the exile clause right now i i think i've just been like downplaying it as it stands in the format but I just don't know enough about the format, honestly, for me to be saying things like that. So if the exile clause becomes truly important, I can see, you know, tempering my dislike of this card a little bit. It could be I'm just missing context here, too. Like if you show me that I am reliably putting a ton of creatures into my graveyard and I, I my concerns are for naught, I'm never going to get that completely ineffectual necrotic wound then maybe I'll come around on this. But as it stands right now, when I was building like my Narcomeba Stitcher Suppliers deck, I I didn't play this card.
0: Yeah, there. Well, you, your decks didn't have enough creatures in them. Almost certainly.
1: Right, right. I mean, some were closer to the right number of creatures. I was doing like, uh, you know, makeshift mun- munition stuff and things like that. Okay. Um, but. Uh, on the whole, several of my decks certainly did not have enough creatures. That is true.
0: Yeah, I, I'm thinking like actual green, black, jade light ranger type of nonsense mm-hmm. where you just have a bunch of creatures and at some point we'll get a payoff card, you know?
1: Yeah, yeah, I, that could be what I'm missing right now.
0: Next card is our Ar- arboretum, Ar- arboretum. What is that word?
1: I think it's arboretum, but I'm pretty bad at pronunciation, so I wouldn't put a lot of stock in my pronunciation.
0: It's an elemental seven GG seven five. Convoke Hexproof.
1: Shouldn't this just be called like "Runer of limited games? Like that's really what you want to say here. I'm just waiting for the on Sarah's wings. And so we all get to complain about losing to Arboretum Elemental like we do in every single limited format since what feels like forever now. Hexproof being evergreen is a scourge of excellent limited play it makes me very sad that we do this every single set and we all get to bemoan our games given up to the hexproof creatures and i know why it's there it's there to to bridge skill gaps and to make these crazy stories and so you can post on social media about your 1717 arboretum elemental with lifelink i get it i still absolutely despise it so and i probably will never come around to it
0: why'd they make carnage tyrant uncommon
1: Fair question. (laughs) Very
0: fair question. People complain about the rarity upshift with Narcomy, but what about the rarity double downshift?
1: Yeah, yeah, that's a dramatic play there.
0: Deadly Visit, 3BB Sorcery Destroy Target Creature Surveil 2. Certainly a limited
1: card, but it makes me excited to know there's going to be some bigger surveils floating around. So if there's a, a, you know, well-costed, constructed, playable card with Surveil 2, oh my goodness, that's just that's bonkers i I can't wait to see what we get along those lines just new glimmer of genius yeah wow wow that would that would be huge for sure
0: next card is status is it status to stature i'm not sure what the naming convention is for these split cards well
1: it, it, it's status to statue
0: or statue sorry yeah, yeah yeah
1: i i i guess it's two although that does not make much sense to I mean maybe it's neither because they don't fuse no they've always kept that convention i don't know i don't know what's going on here it doesn't make a lot of sense to me
0: status and statue like fire and ice or status statue fire ice i don't know it it doesn't feel like any of these work to be honest with you we have to see more of them anyway the cheaper side is bg hybrid so one mana of either b or g instant target creature gets plus one plus one and death touch until end of turn the other part is two BG instant destroy target artifact creature or enchantment. So you get a reasonable putrefy and a card that why the hell does this exist in a world with Goblin Chain Whirler?
1: Do you believe this is a problem?
0: Yes. Okay. Yes. I I think, I think that last season, this would not be a problem because not enough of the decks did enough where they just put creatures onto the battlefield right and mm-hmm. maybe part of the problem was those decks didn't exist because chain whirler already punished that mm-hmm. but when you're talking about playing against red black and they have like a heart of kieran and a chandra and a Rekindling Phoenix, or order yeah obviously this card doesn't really do anything right but it's just like why does this exist why do you even give people the opportunity
1: i think the real issue is the fact that there's a completely reasonable removal spell stapled on the back end of this. Yeah,
0: you're not punished.
1: So, right, it's, it's it's kind of like Chain Willer itself, right? So it has this incredible plague win effect in some situations, and other times it's just a completely fine three mana creature that has nice stats attached to it. And so with status, I mean, I mean if just status existed that card would be janky maybe in some matchups you could lean on it and it would be your only out in those matchups and you would play it out of the sideboard it would be kind of cute once in a while you get someone but ultimately a mistake when you have a fail state that's just hard removal and not (laughs) not just removal artifact creature enchantment the most versatile removal possible yeah this card is good on its face probably And when you add Chain Whirler to the mix, I don't want to go as far as problem. I'm not going to declare a problem. One, because these cards can't be cast in conjunction with each other as it stands right now. That's going to change.
0: I've been working on it.
1: Do you think it's possible? Do you think you can make a realistic mana base that casts these cards together?
0: I think it's possible.
1: Okay, so that could totally change where I stand. I, I mean, Look, I'm with you that when we have the appropriate dual lands to reliably cast Chain Whirler into status... I'm not going to go as far as a problem because I don't have any context. There's no way for me to know if it's a problem. It's just something that shouldn't exist, though. Like, it's dumb. It's swingy. It doesn't feel good. And it's like, oh, drew my two cards together and you can never win the game now. Right. Like, it does not feel like a good combination to me. And if I don't draw my two cards together, I just have a removal spell for everything that you could possibly do. So there's really no way to be punished for including this in your Jund Chain Whirler deck, which will almost certainly be a thing, if not immediately, certainly after the next set comes.
0: It's definitely not easy currently, but it is potentially doable. I think I would sideboard two of this card against like Mono Green last season, you know?
1: Yeah, I mean, that's the context. You're talking like if it was if it was just status, you would have sideboarded two of that effect?
0: Yeah, I, I think that's like a more high impact thing than just sideboarding like another cut or doomfall like I was doing. So
1: I can buy that, that.
0: That leads me to believe that like this will be a thing at some point. And yeah, maybe it's not right now when the mana's bad, you don't have stomping ground or blood crypt, so you have to jump through a bunch of hoops with like overgrown tomb and evolving wilds, which is obviously not ideal, but I do think that someone is going to cast this on their chain whirler at some point and it's not going to be that tough, and they're probably going to win the game because of it, and their opponent's just going to be like, I didn't get to play Magic. This is stupid. Why does this exist?
1: I'm going to ask you an impossible question, and Stop. it's completely it's completely unfair for me to ask it, but you have much more insight into these type of questions than I do, and you've been there before. Do you think the interaction between Goblin Chain Whirler and status was considered before this card was printed?
0: Almost certainly not, but I also think that the whole chain whirler thing, like the ball got dropped some somewhere along the lines. I don't know if they're just like, oh, I, I expect this card will see some play, but it's like not that good, blah, blah, blah. And then they didn't even worry about things like, oh, can we add a status to this? And does it make it even more obnoxious? You know, I think if if anything, it was probably like a failure to realize that it might be a problem in the first place
1: okay yeah I, I could get on board with that I, yeah like i said not declaring a problem as it stands now that seems like alarmist and needlessly panicky but as far as is this constructed playable this is constructed
0: playable yes we gonna be all right though no it's gonna be fine conclave tribunal this this might be the card i'm excited about the most so far this
1: Card's good this card's good go Redub-
0: ahead dub When this enters the battlefield, exile target non-land permanent and opponent controls until this leaves the battlefield.
1: This is going to remove a lot of stuff at a very low cost. We talked about white-green potentially having some powerful synergies, some powerful options. This card combines beautifully with Amara, just really powerful removal. I I like this a lot. I think this this is going to be a player in standard going
0: forward. This card is great. This card is a thing that tricks me into playing things that are just like chain Whirler be damned, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So uh, I've looked at goblin splashing radiant destiny. I've looked at green whites. I've looked at a bunch of different white base decks and the like boros tokens type of stuff. And it's just like, man, this, this card just seems like an absolute powerhouse. Like casting this for two mana is probably going to be the average, you know?
1: Right. Man, I love it in something like Boros Tokens, which is kind of just like, here's my tokens. Hope they're good enough. Oh, no. Now I also have this awesome unconditional removal spell.
0: Right. Um, And it's hella cheap.
1: Yeah. And so you get to play a second spell on the same turn. Yeah, really big get for that style of deck and something they desperately needed in an age of chain Worler. They need a little shot in the arm right now, and this just might be it.
0: Yeah, this this card is phenomenal. This is going to be a four of in a lot of decks. I buy it. Next up, we have Direct Current, and this card, unlike Conclave Tribunal, is just embarrassing. One RR, Sorcery, this deals two to any target, jumpstart. I get
1: the sense that two may be an important number in the limited format, and that's all I have to say about this. And I'm basing this pretty much only off of this card existing, seeing Barging Sergeant and Hammer Dropper both having two toughness. You know, this card looks a little bit better in that context. But man, that does that rate seem really low to me. And honestly, the jumpstart spells in general that I've seen thus far, the rate feels really safe. Yeah. So I don't know if that's just a function of we've mostly seen commons or if they were really, really careful with jumpstart in this instance. We'll have to see as more gets revealed.
0: Mysteries. Uh, I mean, if this ends up being the best red common or something, I would be shocked. Right. But this this Same. might just be middle of the road filler card. Who knows? unexplained disappearance one you instant return target creature to its owner's hand surveil one
1: eh, maybe ah. context again uh, ah. two, two mana for this effect is a lot and rarely ever sees play
0: blink of an eye
1: yeah blink of an eye mostly seems better in in almost all contexts. uh you have to have you have to be getting a lot of payoff on surveil you have to not have access to better options to deal with creatures probably just a limited card yeah
0: two mana is just so much for this Right. Mood Mark Painter, 2BB, Human Shaman, 2-3, Undergrowth. When this enters the battlefield, target creature gains Menace and gets plus X plus O until end of turn, where X is the number of creature cards in your graveyard.
1: What's the card I'm thinking of that this has parallels to that was widely played in Standard?
0: There's the Enchantment, ETB, like Constellation, plus X, plus X for cards in your graveyard. For some and reason, then, I'm thinking,
1: oh, I'm, I'm thinking uh, Mogus Marauder is the card that I'm thinking of.
0: Yeah, that gave all your stuff. Maybe it wasn't Menace. It was probably Intimidate at that point. Yes,
1: I, I think it was.
0: And then there was like Night Howler too. So yeah.
1: Right. So, so interesting effect. I can see like there's some possible combo context applications where you just like one shot your opponent just on rate, probably not constructed playable, but potentially a tool if there's that style of deck floating around.
0: This is four mana and a creature, so it's reusable in a lot of different contexts, and has the potential to fireball your opponent. So, if you are looking for that sort of effect for an undergrowth deck, like you you want a finisher, this this might actually be a card that you play.
1: Yeah, it, I mean, who knows? There could be far better options. Obviously, this is the common. So, right? does this get pushed as we move up the rarity scale? Who knows?
0: I don't know. I, this this is kind of frightening. Where it's just like I I, I can see this just being like four pretty easily in mid games, like four or five.
1: Mm, So for sure, it seems pretty strong. Uh, Definitely in the limited context, I'd be surprised if this wasn't one of the better cards in limited. Yep.
0: Rosemain Centaur, three G dub Centaur soldier, four, four convoke vigilance, kind of like bread and butter common. Right. If if I go one drop, two drop, I'm not super excited about playing this on turn three necessarily in constructed, but maybe
1: yeah, probably looking for some other Convoke payoffs. I I mean, if there's more stuff like uh, Amara, then maybe this is a, a bit more play in the limited format, but certainly now pushing through to Constructed.
0: Yeah, and I don't know. We have Conclave Tribunal Uncommon. This is pretty clearly pushed for Constructed, I think, just on rate. And yeah. you've seen like the Hexproof Uncommon with the Buy a Box Mythic Fake mythic thing. This is this is just a common. So there there mm-hmm. are going to be other like good convoke things. And like I said, for the most part, convoke hasn't really hit in constructed. Just all the creatures are just overcosted fatties for the most part. So I would yeah. this this is closer than we normally get. So I, I would expect maybe this to be the closest for constructed. But who knows?
1: Could be. I'm still holding off for a court of calling reprint, but I don't think I'm going to get it.
0: <laughs> Radical idea. One U instant draw card jumpstart.
1: Not good enough to see play. It, it, there needs to be something else going on here, otherwise Ooh. this card is not good enough.
0: I think this card is going to see play.
1: Explain to me why.
0: I think if you are doing izity things with either rail or firemind's research, then this this is a pretty reasonable way to start doing that. Like it, it just cycles. It's not great, but then it lets you cash in a land for another card later, which. I think is going to be very helpful for those decks. I I find it difficult to believe that between Opt and this, that they're going to get a better early cantrip. And I think that that deck is probably going to want to play cantrips.
1: Maybe I'm just frustrated because I think this card is actually fascinating at one mana. I don't think it's too good. I think it's like right at the level where you could print it and it be acceptable. And then at two mana, it's like, I, I really want a reason to be doing this. It's not just like, oh, I have blue cards in my deck and I'm not curving out, so I'm happy to play Radical Idea. It it doesn't reach that level. I guess there's still some space below automatic inclusion and constructed playable. So if you're leaning into some type of spell-heavy strategy where you just really get paid on casting spells all the time, something with prowess, for instance... I could buy it, but two seems like a lot for this effect.
0: Yeah, I would not want this in a normal control deck. I think that there right. are better options, but I think in a deck that is probably going to load up on cat trips, then this is a pretty reasonable card. I, I will note that Charter Course kind of competes with this for a little bit, and I'm honestly not sure which one's better.
1: Yeah, I think Charter Course is a lot better than this card. And. In- Just- in a vacuum, a large yes. number of contexts.
0: In a vacuum, yes, but I think that even though you have to pay for this card twice, I think that maybe just getting the extra spell out of it later might make it stronger. But sure, yeah, we'll and
1: okay. there's also you know who knows how important discarding things is that. We may just want a discard outlet that's been very important at many times throughout the history of magic, you know, in, in madness context, it's everything. So who knows when we have another effect like that, that we're looking for this. So I guess I'm I'm being a little dismissive just on pure rate. I don't think this card is there, but there's certainly context under which we can. Want to have access to this reanimator decks? Love having I was gonna reliable say, discard outlets.
0: I was gonna say we can jumpstart some impervious great worms, and then file offering people like that is definitely a thing we could do. <laughs>
1: yeah, we we could we could do that. I don't know if we're going to, but it's theoretically possible.
0: There are again, there are not a lot of good legendary things. Right, right. Murmuring Mystic three U one five human wizard. Whenever you cast an instant or sorcery, create a 1-1 one, one blue bird illusion creature token with flying. This is a robo Rosewater card, isn't it? Here you go. Here's
1: your payoff. You're playing Murmuring Mystic with Radical Idea, and now you have yourself a deck, which doesn't do all that much.
0: Yep. Yep. <laughs> Man, four mana. Four mana for my young Pyromancer.
1: That's a lot. I mean, this card's probably, like, okay at three mana. You start to consider it and maybe trick yourself into playing yeah, it, maybe. but yeah, Format is a lot.
0: What about Healer's Hawk? Dub, 1-1, one, one Bird, <laughs> Flying, Lifelink.
1: I don't know why I would. Maybe I'll be proven wrong. Maybe there's some equipment that I want to play. Maybe I want to put a captain's hook on this card and just go to town. Who knows? No,
0: nah, the horse rotates, right? But there's there's some reasonable life gain stuff like this into a Johnny's Pride Mate. And...
1: Uh, <laughs> I hope not. I mean, it, it's possible. I'm on the lookout. Uh,
0: I'm on the lookout.
1: Okay. You keep an eye on that. You keep me posted and I'll be ready to hop in once you figure something out.
0: The Hawk is, is rather strong on rate.
1: It's better than like what we used to get. It's certainly an upgrade from Suntail Hawk. So I, I can't argue with you there. If for some reason you need to gain life consistently, this seems like it would do it in many contexts.
0: Maybe it's worse than Suntail Hawk because this tricks you into playing with it.
1: Interesting theory you have. (laughs)
0: Last card. Sort of. We have we have guild gates to go with the dual lands. I hope everyone noticed that. Mm-hmm. Sonic Assault. One UR instant. Tap target creature. Sonic Assault deals two damage to that creature's controller. Jump start.
1: This is the type of card I love making work in limited. Yeah. I love these like hyper aggressive decks that you just eke through value. It's so, so I'm excited. Card. It's so I'm bad. excited to make it work, but uh yeah, I mean this isn't coming anywhere near constructed. Hopefully, there's better options for Is it? But like, if aggressive Is it is a thing, this is probably part of it. And like, it's it's going to be one of those decks where if you get all the pieces, it's just bonkers. And if you don't have them, then you feel very silly.
0: I mean, think about just doing this on turn six. Tap two things, four to them. Presumably, this clears the way for some sort of alpha strike. Like, it is a lot of damage.
1: You've you've pushed through a lot of damage, yeah, for sure.
0: But obviously, very little to to none constructed applications
1: super narrow super super narrow what's your favorite card uh, my favorite card thus far is Narcomoeba. it's inspiring me to check out a lot of stuff i'm not saying it's the best card i've seen so far if i'm naming the best card i've seen it's probably conclave tribunal i just think it's i can't miss card but a lot of interesting stuff here and a lot of really fun stuff to build around like i have a lot of ideas popping in my head right now that i absolutely can't wait to get more context for
0: yeah we have two different graveyard things a couple different spell themes some go wide stuff there's a lot to choose from here so i'm, I'm pretty excited about this too i think tribunal is probably the strongest card and i think legion war boss is probably the second strongest so far okay or eh, maybe maybe narco maybe narco Narc but war boss on raid for sure i think is still pretty good Right.
1: Narcomeba. we need to know all the pieces. There's just a lot of unknowns about Narcomeba, and you can make some stuff work right now, but uh, it it's remains to be seen if it's really going to push to its, you know, broken levels that it's reached in the past.
0: Yeah, we need more surveil or self mill stuff or reasons to be doing that so that we just automatically include Narcomoeba or we need something to be doing with the one one body. Yep, but it doesn't take much.
1: Right. A, a piece of equipment here, you know, a planeswalker worth protecting there, and things get out of control pretty quickly.
0: Oh, I'm pretty sure we're never going to see another good equipment.
1: That They're just done? They're never coming back? Yeah. Okay. I hope not. I, I like equipment in some context. I think it's interesting.
0: I think it's okay, but I doubt I will ever put a piece of equipment on a Narcomitula.
1: <laughs> okay. A man can dream.
0: <laughs> All right. Do we have
1: a question? Uh, we do have a question. So DT Lurch... Wants to know, he says, I've been struggling at converting top eights to wins for years. Do you approach single elimination matches any differently than the Swiss? Or is there any solution besides more volume? Why don't you take that first? What do you have to say about top eight matches as someone who has converted the most meaningful top eight of them all? I feel like you're a good source for information here.
0: The most meaningful, like a, a, pro, a pro tour? Is that what you are talking about?
1: Yeah, yeah. You, you converted that top eight. Very few people get to do that.
0: Yeah, I suppose that's true. I don't think that I necessarily do anything special. I definitely do not treat those matches any differently. And I think that even just by asking this question, it is (laughs) maybe an indicator that you are treating them differently, which is probably a bad idea because if you are able to continually make top eights, in theory, you should be able to win some tournaments, right? But If you are worried about like, oh man, like I I finally made it another top eight and I really want to win because I didn't win the other ones. You're just putting too much pressure on it and it's going to be different than your single limb matches. And uh, I've seen this with a lot of people too, where they put a goal on making top eight. And once they make enough top eights, like top eighting becomes the expected result. But then once you're in top eight, like that's the kind of like new weird feeling. And even if you're trying to treat it the same, it might not work. But yeah, I think just asking this question in general means that you are treating them differently and you need to look at something differently. I either just realize that every match is exactly the same or don't put any inherent value on actual winning, even though in, in sometimes like, you know, the PPTQs, for example, like winning is basically all that matters, right? Like first gets the actual prize. Everyone else gets like some stuff, but ultimately it's not the important stuff. But just know that if you are playing in enough tournaments and top eighting enough that you will eventually win one, assuming that you are doing the same thing each time.
1: Yeah, I think you did a nice job of assessing this. I don't have too much to add. It's just like it's very clear that. The problem is identified in the first like 10 words of this question where it says, I've been struggling at converted top eights to wins for years. Well, you've very clearly made it a thing already, right? You're singling out this portion of the tournament as a spot where you can't win and Self fulfilling prophecy sucks. Like you're, (laughs) when you're expecting, I can't convert top eights, you're going to have a problem converting top eights. That's just reality. So you need to do something to reset your expectations in that situation. You need to get rid of the stigma that you're only putting on yourself. Keep that in mind. There's no one else on the planet who looks at DT Lurch and says, Man, that guy can't convert a top eight. So you get to rewrite this narrative right now. You don't have to be the guy who can't convert top eights anymore. That's in your head. That was variance. Uh, There was nothing you could have done about it. Put it behind you, move forward and stop singling out top eights as something different, something special. It's just more magic. And you just have to keep playing magic and keep winning and nothing changes when you cross that you know perceived threshold there's the same games being played the same decks the same quality of p- opponents you could have been playing just one round earlier it's it's just by fate that you're playing this person in the top 8 now and it's not that meaningful and the more you work to take out the significance of it i think the better you'll see your results start to trend so that's all i've got i mean, I mean if you if you have anything else to say go for it but it, it's just it's all about your mindset and you've created this for yourself and nobody else is doing it right now
0: yeah, I was I was thinking about it. I, another thing that I thought of while you were talking is just that maybe some of the expectation comes, like you said, from uh, outside sources, like other people, like, oh, what are what are other people going to think if I can't ever win this PPTQ or whatever? And no one cares. Right. Seriously. Right people always have this inflated view of how much other people are thinking about them or judging them. And yeah, no one really cares, especially if you're in top eight of every single tournament, they're just going to be envious. They're going to be like, Oh, like you are really good and consistently good and way better than me. And what the hell, you know, they're not, they're not going to be thinking about your failings.
1: Yeah. I don't mean this as a slight to other people because we're, All guilty of it. It's just like a survival mechanism. But people are pretty much focused on themselves and getting through their day, and worrying about their performance. And what you've done is a very little concern to them in most instances. Um, You know, if you are talking about this with people, that's not to say they don't care about your trials and tribulations. I am sure they do. But on the whole, no one is taking the time to go, "Wow, DC Lurch really just not converting again in the top eight? Not happening." So, so just let it go. There is no reason to hold on to this narrative anymore.
0: Yeah, just keep crushing it. Eventually, good things will happen. That's it. If you're good enough to make top eight, just keep doing the same thing that you're doing, except not treat the matches any differently, and eventually you'll win one, you know? Spot on. That's game.